Welcome, and thank you so much for joining us. I'm Sandra Ladd, and I'm the Senior Minister for First Christian Church Stillwater. We are growing a Christ-centered, compassionate church where all can connect to God's love. And we hope that in this time you experience growth. We pray that this time will help you focus and center on Christ and that in this time you will sense care and compassion. We pray that this time provide you with a deeper connection to the love of God. Grace and peace be with you. And again, we thank you so much for gifting us with your time. So our Old Testament lectionary texts have been following the life of Moses. And today we come to the end of the life of Moses. Moses' story is just full of twists and turns from beginning until the very end. And if you read today's passage, you'll learn that Moses lives to 120 that he still has perfect eyesight and was full of vitality, kind of like we all would envision Ken Beck in another 30 years, except that I'm pretty sure Moses did not have the perfect set of teeth that Ken Beck now has. Um, Before we arrive at the conclusion to Moses' story, however, let's talk a little bit about what's going on. The people are once again without water. This isn't the first time, you know, and God commands Moses to bring water to the people, but this time he gives his, his, gives him instructions to do it in a different way. Um, and instead of following that command, Moses speaks to the people and strikes the rock with his staff twice. So because Moses doesn't follow God's command, God reprimands Moses, informing him that he's gonna be prohibited from entering into the promised land. Um, As Moses' story ends, a new leader emerges, Joshua, and the people obey him, and the entry into the promised land draws near. It seems kind of harsh, right? I mean, he still brings water out of the rock just instead of striking it like he had done previously. I mean, instead of speaking to it, he strikes it like he had been instructed to do previously. And I had to ask myself, what are we to make of this disapproval of Moses over what seems to be a very minimally disobedient act? And how do we reconcile this one who is the prophet among prophets who only gets a glimpse of the promised land and is not allowed to enter in? Where is the grace or the good news in this story? And what I came up with is just a possibility that I wanna throw before you today. Is it possible that the good news is in Moses' mentorship of Joshua? Could it be that this passage is a lesson on the relationship between Moses and Joshua? Might it be that Moses learns that Moses learns and teaches us that none of us is sufficient to accomplish a task that builds the kingdom on our own. Maybe we need a Joshua who will take whatever it is we bring and move it to the next level. Could it be that the success of Moses mentoring and preparing Joshua was one of his crowning achievements? What if the final chapter of Moses isn't about 
his failure to enter the promised land because of his disobedience, but is instead Moses achieving all that he was meant to achieve in passing the baton on to the next leader. What if Moses' readiness, what if Joshua's readiness is the true sign of triumph of Moses' last chapter and the best possible ending to Moses' story? You know, in Bible study Wednesday night, Carissa offered some very wise counsel that is in line with today's scripture lesson. Maybe instead of thinking that we have to accomplish every task to receive God's blessing, we need to consider that the blessing, we need to consider the blessing that we're denying someone else by not enabling them to be involved. I have some big questions for each of us to consider. How would the work of the church the work of the world shift if human beings' goal was not to succeed in their own name for their own fame or at all costs, what would happen if our ultimate goal as clergy, as church leaders, as church members was something other than completing every task? What if our highest goal was to equip the next person to advance the cause, even when, like Moses, we are completely capable, what if we each spent more time looking for and encouraging others and less time making sure that we are the ones whose name is listed as the final hero of the story? What would be, the di- what would be different about your life, my life, our ministries, if we were less focused on our own strengths and more focused on making sure those we encounter feel empowered. This text tells us about our futures, ones we will not inhabit, but ones we will surely shape. I was at a women's clergy retreat recently when one of the ministers who is also a mother shared how much it meant to her that an older woman in the congregation had taken her four-year-old daughter under her wing. She shared she never has to worry when she steps into the pulpit that her daughter will need her. She knows that she is taken care of on the lap of her adopted grandmother kind of like what Ashley does with, for Stefan's twins every week. And in a different way, like Bob and Brenda mentor Gwen and Benny and Logan, what if we all took someone under our wing and not just the kids or the youth? What if we made it our mission to mentor someone else in whom we see potential? Not everyone else, someone else. Everyone taking on someone, and we're all covered. Question is, to whom are you leaving your legacy of faith? The gospel passages from Matthew 22, 34 through 46, the one I referred to with the kids where the Pharisees heard Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, and they decided they were going to need to collaborate to conquer Jesus. They assigned a lawyer among them to ask a question to test him. Teacher, which in the law is the greatest? Which commandment in the law is the greatest? And Jesus answers, you shall love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's the greatest. And the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus quotes the Torah. 
the book of law, basically telling them, listen, guys, I'm a Jew. I'm one of you. We study the same book. We're guided by the same law. We worship the same God. And then he asked them a question. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? To which they also respond with scripture, answering, the son of David. Not a wrong answer, but it is not a complete answer. So Jesus presses on, how is it then that David, by the Spirit, calls him Lord? King doesn't call his son Lord, and no one is able to give him an answer, nor did they ask him any more questions. Head knowledge, with no intent or desire to develop heart knowledge. They were dedicated to the same scriptures, but they use them against people, not for people. They use them to restrict, to make life heavy and burdensome. And Jesus came to show them that God's way was totally contrary, intended to set free and to make life rich and full. They stood face to face with the truth, but they didn't want to change the beliefs in which they were so deeply rooted. What if we too aren't wrong, but are not complete in our answers? What if we dared to ask more questions? What if we dared to enter difficult conversations and ask difficult questions? What if we provided the space for people to do exactly that, have difficult conversations and ask hard questions knowing that they are in a safe place to do it? The mission of the church should be to find more and better ways of doing that because that's how people grow. Otherwise, we just stay still and stagnant. We stay stuck and we don't move the mission of God forward. The psalm for today is Psalm 1, offering two ways of living. One, the way of happiness. The other, the way of destruction. Happy is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord who meditates on it day and night. Now remember, According to Jesus, the law is summed up in two commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So how much time are you investing in the two most important aspects of life? Time invested in God and time invested in others. Investing in those areas, according to Scripture, makes you like a tree planted by streams of water yielding in season fruit and leaves that do not wither. The wicked, on the contrary, are like chafe that blows in the wind. The Lord watches over the righteous and the ways of the wicked will perish. Don't we all long for that day when wicked ways die? Notice that it says ways, evil ways, evil deeds die, not people. Which brings us to our focus passage for today from 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 8. Today, we celebrate Reformation Sunday, a Sunday celebrating the efforts of one who went against the church authorities of his day to make changes that he saw were evident in Scripture and not being lived out in the church. The church had become corrupted by greed and power, and Martin Luther felt called to show people a better way. 
Thus the move called the Protestant Reformation. It's so interesting that today's scripture spoken to the Thessalonians by Paul could have been spoken by Martin Luther to the church of his day and is just as relevant for me standing in the pulpit for any preacher in this community or in this nation speaking to their congregations. Please stand in body or in spirit as you are able as we read together God's word for today from 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 through 8. You yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully mistreated at Philippi, as you know, we had courage in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in spite of great opposition. For our appeal does not spring from deceit or impure motives or trickery, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the message of the gospel, even so we speak not to please mortals, but to please God who tests our hearts. As you know, and as God is our witness, we never came with words of flattery or with pretext for greed, nor did we seek praise from mortals, whether from you or from others. Though we might have made demands as apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you, like a nurse tenderly caring for her own children. So deeply do we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. Thanks be to God for his word. Amen. Paul's word to the church, listen, what we do is not in vain, even, even if we suffer or are mistreated, even in the face of opposition, we have good news to share. And people who need to hear good news, we don't need to deceive people, we don't need to trick people, we don't need to go about this for the wrong reasons. We need to constantly check our motives and allow God to check our hearts. We aren't working for the praise of men, we are working to please God. And we do that by being gentle like a nurse caring for the children that she has been entrusted. We deeply care about people, about sharing the good news, and we share not only with words, but we live lives that represent our beliefs. We, our beliefs. we live in a way that shows our devotion to God and our love for people. After church last Sunday, Rick and I headed to Branson. It is our getaway, our relaxation destination. It is close enough to get to quickly, but it's far enough that it seems like a vacation. We eat too much. We have no schedule or agenda. We enjoy the scenery and each other. This trip, we went to the IMAX to watch Killers of the Flower Moon. I wanted to see it for two reasons. My friend Jana Bradshaw was an extra in several scenes and watching her was super cool. I was also curious about a story that happened in a state that I have always lived in and yet have never heard. Guys, I was absolutely blown away. I am not sure how many years of Oklahoma history I had growing up, but a lot of important material was overlooked. It 
is such a sad state of affairs that such an important story, a story that so much could be learned from, went untold until now. And it made me wonder how many unimportant, how many really important stories go untold? How many important lessons go unlearned? And even more importantly, how much of the greatest story ever told has gone untold? Lessons unlearned because our time, our energy, our efforts have been invested elsewhere. Just like Moses, guys, our days will come to an end and most of us like Moses, will have our share of failures and our share of successes until the very end. What will you leave behind and with who? Fortune to be spent, stuff to disperse of, or faith that will guide someone else through the highs and lows of life that you yourself have experienced Will we make the mistake of the Pharisees or will we enter into difficult conversations and invite questions? Which way of life will we choose? One that meditates day and night on deeper connections with God and others or one with accumulations that are lost in the wind? I am not the church. You are not the church Individually, we can make a difference in one, in a few, maybe many. Together, however, collectively, as a body, which is the church, the potential is endless. If we take our mission seriously, working together, united by God, examining our ways, prayerfully seeking God's guidance and direction, the impossible actually becomes possible. This, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Before we offer a call to discipleship, Ashley Strednack is going to come forward to offer a blessing, to speak a blessing over the congregation. I'm sorry. It's hard to care for little ones and be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there, right? Especially when you don't know when that's going to be. Thank you, Ashley. I thought for this blessing, let's just bow in prayer first to God. God, may these words accomplish your good and perfect will today. Oh God, we are surrounded by our loves. They need you, and we need you to carry them. Let love bear up the weight of us all. Bless our kids and grandkids, children here and those gone. Bless the people who quicken our hearts now and years past. Bless our parents and grandparents. Strengthen our roots and our branches. Bless our pets and your creation and the comfort they bring. Bless our friends and chosen families, all the bonds that hold us together. Thank you for this love, this absurd and wonderful love. God, bless the memories we hold of those who have died 
and release in us the fullness of being able to love them as they were in this life and as they are now in the mystery that is beyond our sight. God bless all the people in pain who share this present time and space with us, whose lives are yet an unwritten book just like ours. Come and write your words of love that we speak in our words and in our actions in ways that heal our past and stir up hope for our future. God, I will openly admit that my plan was to rescue us all, pry this out of my hands, absolve my guilt, calm my spirit. Let me allow you to do the impossible and bear up the weight of the world I am determined to sometimes carry alone. May today we all find rest in him. Amen.